0: So, I can't believe that it's already late August, right? (laughs) I hear the sighs, like, stop talking about this. I know, I can't believe that, which means that summer is almost over, which is so sad for so many different things, but for me, one of the things, one of the reasons why it's so, so sad is that that means it's the end of outdoor cookouts, right? Who loves a good outdoor cookout? Anyone love a good out? I love good, yeah, I love good outdoor cookouts for a lot of reasons, but one of the most reasons that I love a good outdoor cookout is because it's an opportunity for me to put my favorite seasoning on almost everything. I'm one of those guys. I'm like a spreader of seasonings because it goes well with almost everything in an outdoor cookout. know what it is? It's not paprika. No, it's not garlic. It is Salt. I love salt. Salt, I love you. I do. I love salt. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love, I love sweet things too. But when it comes to choosing between sweet or salty, salt wins. Every single time in my book, yes, I have one hand raised. That's right. Someone at downtown raise a hand. That's great. So I love salt. I put it on my baked beans. I put it on my uh, corn on the cob. I put it on my potato salad. Uh, my favorite ice cream is salted ice cream. I lo- or salted caramel. I love salt. And one of the most fascinating things about salt is that salt has been and is used for like so many important things. Before refrigerators, salt was used as a preservative, like especially for meat. And if you live in Madison, you know that we put salt in our water because our water is super hard. But to top it all off, we actually, we need salt to live. Our bodies honestly would not survive without salt. We need it. But what is salt? Have you ever thought about that? You're like, no, I haven't thought about it. Oh, you're thinking about it now. (laughs) What is salt? What is this this beautiful, beautiful thing? Well, salt is actually made out of two elements, sodium and chlorine. All right, for the 90% of you who are like, okay, this is a snooze fest. What, What is he talking about, sodium and chlorine? What's going on? I get it. Stick with me for just a little bit, okay? So it's actually really interesting because sodium and chlorine, when they're separate, they're actually extremely dangerous to us. I mean, they can be really, really deadly. And now, I know it's, for everyone in the room right now, I'm talking to you, I know this is really dangerous for everyone, but I actually brought some sodium and chlorine to use. I'll be really careful, because I have to. Um, Okay, where is, I'm just joking. I didn't bring that, so that'd be stupid. I'm not going to bring super dangerous things in here. But, okay, so I gotcha, kind of. Okay, so sodium and chlorine, when they're separate, they're extremely dangerous. But here's the deal. When you put them together, when they form union with one another, they create salt, which is essential for you and me to live. Now, today, we're going to be talking about what is essential for Christian living. If you've ever wondered, okay, how does Jesus want me to live? I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're with us. I'm glad you're watching, listening to this because this talk is actually for you. Because the gospel lays out what it looks like for followers of Jesus to live. And just like salt, there's two elements. But often, we can live out of one element over the other, but it takes a union of both. It's a union of both to be fundamental for Christian living. All right. I want to introduce myself. Uh, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Michael, and I'm the college age and 20s, 30s pastor here at Blackhawk Church. And I want to take a moment just to greet everyone who's watching this, every site and venue, Gospel Fusion, what's up, Chinese, traditions, everyone in the room, I'm glad you're here, people listening online, podcasts. Fitchburg, that's right, good to be with you. Downtown, awesome, I'm so glad that you're, that you're with us today. Today we are continuing our series called Rooted, where we're looking at the different theological truths, theological statements that are just woven in the gospel that are found in our denomination statements. It's the statements that our denomination holds. And today, we are going to be talking about Article 8, and it's all about Christian living. All right, let's let's jump to the article. We believe that God's justifying grace must not be separated from his sanctifying power and purpose. God commands us to love him supremely and others sacrificially, and to live out our faith with care for one another, compassion towards the poor, and justice for the oppressed. With God's word, the Spirit's power, and fervent prayer in Christ's name, we are to combat the spiritual forces of evil in obedience to Christ's commission. We are to make disciples among all people, always bearing witness to the gospel in word, in word and deed. Now, I want to focus for the purpose of this talk on the second sentence, because the second sentence out of this article just does a really good job in boiling down what it looks like to live as Christians. The second sentence is, God commands us to love him supremely and others sacrificially, and to live out our faith with care for one another, compassion towards the poor, and justice for the oppressed. So right here in the second in the second sentence of Article 8, we have our two elements for Christian living. To love God supremely and to love others sacrificially. And then it goes on to explain what loving others sacrificially looks like. With care for one another, compassion towards the poor, and justice for the oppressed. To love him supremely and to love others sacrificially. And really, this is just like what Jesus said the two greatest commandments are for how we are to live. Jesus said in the book of Matthew... We're we'll going to it in a second. There we go. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it love your neighbors as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments to love God supremely and to love others sacrificially. Easy enough, right? <laughs> you're thinking, you're like, yeah, I got this. I'm like, I got this. This is good. All right, worship team, we're, we got this. No, we don't have this. This is challenging. If you're like me, this is really, really, really tough. I mean, to love, think about it, to love with everything that takes everything. But when we strive to live this way, living out both elements, we become what Jesus says In the book of Matthew, the salt of the earth. And because these two elements are so important for us, for Christian living, today, for the rest of the talk, I'm gonna be talking about what it could look like to love God supremely, to love others sacrificially, and how these two elements are essential for Christian living, all right? All right, let's do it. uh, The first one, love God supremely. Okay, so... I want to tell you a story um, that happened to me a long, a long, long time ago, and I, can't, I honestly can't really believe that I'm telling you guys this story, but I already started talking, so I kind of got it. Okay, so a long time ago, I really liked this girl, okay? I really, really liked her, and uh, for the sake of this talk, for privacy, let's just call her Jessie. I really liked Jessie. I never really saw her, <laughs> I never really talked to her, but I really liked her. It's your basic teenage love story, you know? <laughs> so I really liked this school. And whenever I would get with my best friend at the time, I would always talk about Jesse, how much I liked Jesse. If he thought Jesse would ever like me back, if he thought Jesse would go on a date with me, we'd get together. I'd talk and I'd talk and I'd talk until one time he's like, hold up, Michael, you keep talking about Jesse, but you're not doing anything about it. And then I thought, oh, that's a really good point. And then he said, right now, I want you to grab your phone, and I want you to call her right now. Do it. Call her and profess your like to her. And I'm like, I can't do that. He's like, you got to. I'm sick and tired of, of listening to you. So I got my phone out. I started putting Jesse's number in. I couldn't do it. I put it away. I put it away. It, maybe you've been here before. I got it out. I put her phone number in. I couldn't do it. There's no way. Then I started pacing. I'm like, okay, Michael, you got this. You got this. You got, nope. I'm not going to do it. You got this, Michael. You got, nope. And I went back and forth, back and forth, until finally I put her number in, and my finger hovered over the button, and I dialed, and it started ringing. It rang a second time. And you better believe my entire body was covered in sweat like that on the second ring, okay? Finally, Jesse answered. Hello? Hey, Jesse, it's Michael, um. No, 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 the other Michael. No, no, not that Michael. Yeah, that one. Okay, so, all right. Jesse, I know that we hardly we hardly talk to each other. I know we don't really see each other. I know we really don't know each other. Oh, wow. Kind of sounds like we're basically strangers. Cool. So this next part's going to be really awkward. <laughs> okay, so Jesse, the reason I'm calling you is because I want you to, you need to know that is it getting hot where you are at, Jesse? It's getting really hot right here. Nope? Okay, great. Um, okay, Jesse, I am calling you because I really, really like you and I'm wondering if you'd go out with me. Dead silence. <laughs> you know the type of silence that you experience where just a few seconds seem like a few minutes? It was that silence. I was waiting and waiting. And wait, finally, Jesse started talking. I honestly thought I almost passed out. And basically, to spare myself from reliving it, she said, I don't feel for you that way. I just want to be your friend. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you've experienced rejection like that? Or maybe... You've been on the other side of the phone, and someone has told you how much they like you and how they express their feeling towards you, and you just don't know if you feel that same way about them. I mean, maybe you read the command to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, and you're wondering, man, I don't know if I actually can do that. I mean, man, God, the word all means all, everything. You're talking about every bit of my heart, every ounce of my soul, everything that I think about, God, all for you? I mean, like, what? Are you are you serious? Like, that's a big ask, God. Everything. And if you're like me, I mean, if I'm honest with myself, there are times when I wonder if I really have what it takes to love God the way that he's asking me to. And when I'm even more serious with myself, there are these moments where I wonder if I even want to. I mean, because there are times when it feels like God, he's kind of distant at best, you know? There are times when I feel like, God, you're not listening. You're not with me. God, you kind of feel like a stranger. And then, God, I read this command, and it's like, man, it's like you're cold calling me out of nowhere to love you with everything, which, which can lead us to ask the question, okay, God, Why? Why? I'm like, why are we to love you not just when we like, feel like it, not just when it's kind of convenient to us or we think about it. Why are we to love you not just today, not on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday too? I mean, like, why, God? Why? Because it's exactly the type of relationship that we were created for. I mean, the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, 27 says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. At the beginning of Genesis, Genesis, humanity, they lived with God in this perfect all-in relationship. In fact, they were in this garden called Eden, and it was good. Eden is the Hebrew word for delight. It was delightful. And not only that, God created humanity in his image image. God's our Father, and we're His children. Talk about intimacy. (laughs) Talk about love. But, But the story doesn't end there. I mean, the story goes that humanity ran away from God's love, so God, He actually came down from heaven, and He ran after us. Jesus died on the cross to save us, and then He rose again to restore our relationship with Him he did that for us. Charles, he talked about this a few weeks ago. Go, go ahead and go back and, and listen to it. In fact, the Bible says, the apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, because there's nothing about, I mean, about his love, for I am convinced I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's the deal. God is on one side of the phone and he's saying, I created you in my image. I love you. When you ran, I ran after you. I defeated death so that death could be defeated in you. If you follow me, you will live with me forever. There has never been a greater love and there never will be a greater love than the love that I have for you. So, what do you say? And to live as a Christian, as an active follower of Jesus, to live out this element is for us to say, I'm in. I might not know how to do it. I'm probably going to mess up a ton. But I'm in. It's accepting the invitation to love a God who already loves you because he created you in his image. You. You're his family. We are all family. And we're invited to live like that. Which brings us to the next element, to love others sacrificially. All right, I'm going to go to the Last Supper right now. Okay, so in the New Testament, at the Last Supper, the disciples, they had been with Jesus for probably like three, about three years. And three years is kind of a long time to be with someone, to follow someone. I mean, think about it, the disciples... For three years, ate with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. They walked with Jesus. Three years of just listening to Jesus talk. And Jesus, he was all about loving others. So you would think that the disciples would be all about loving others as well. Kind of like more than anyone, right? Well, at the night of the Last Supper, there there the disciples were were at this table, Passover meal just spread out before them, the last night that Jesus was going to be alive, and they were fighting, <laughs> and not just a fight that, like, I had with my brothers and sisters at the dinner table growing up, you know, maybe not fights that you guys might experience at your table, maybe, maybe not, because this fight was a little, a little bit deeper, because all of the disciples, they were actually fighting about who's better, <laughs> They were like, no, I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. They were fighting about who was the greatest. But think about this. Three years, three years of listening to Jesus just and watching Jesus lift those up that society would kind of push down. I mean, the outcasts, the sick, the the diseased, the dying, prostitutes. I mean, really, anyone that society would just kind of move away from. Jesus, he would move towards because Jesus knew that God created everyone in his image. And where sin tried to ruin that image, Jesus would try to restore. In fact, restore, that's what the biblical word for justice means. In Hebrew, the biblical word for justice is mishpat. And mishpat is most commonly used to describe um, someone Restoring the dignity. It's this restoration of people's dignity. And followers of God, they were to be all about restoring people's dignity. I mean, followers of God, followers of Jesus, were supposed to identify different systems that that would bring oppression. They were to identify different people who were being oppressed. And followers of God, they were to act, they were to do something about it. But there, the disciples were at this table arguing. (laughs) About who was better. They were creating hierarchies where Jesus created equality. So, in the middle of all of this, Jesus, he just got up, he went, he grabbed a towel, he wrapped the towel around his waist, he grabbed water in a basin. They're arguing, he kneeled down, he started washing their feet. The disciples were like, what? You're our rabbi. You're our master. You're washing our feet. Master, Jesus, hello. Masters don't wash servants' feet. This has not been done. This shouldn't be done. Yet Jesus washed their feet, foot after foot, disciple after disciple. He washed, he washed, he washed. And then when he was done, he got up and he said this, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. You see, the disciples, they loved Jesus. They called him teacher and Lord. They loved him. They did one of the elements, but, but they, they forgot the other one. So Jesus, in the middle of that, he showed them what that second element is, and it was sacrificial. It was restorative, and then he said, "Go and do the same." But if you're like me, <laughs> I mean, going and doing the same—that can be—that can be tough, right? That can be kind of difficult. I remember a time. Um, Uh, when I was working at a previous church in California, at that time I was with middle uh, middle school ministry with that church. And every summer for a week, the middle school ministry would go on a mission trip to Los Angeles. And I'll never forget uh, one afternoon on one of those trips. So we were in Los Angeles. I had a group of 10 middle school school guys with me. There was a lot of different groups in the mission organization. They gave us all money and they said, okay, Today, you're gonna go walk the crowded streets of LA and find someone experiencing homelessness and invite them to lunch. And we were like, game on, let's do this. And so all the 10 middle school guys, we got the money and we were walking the crowded streets of LA. This was the summer. If you've ever been to LA in the summer, it's, it's like an armpit. It's really bad, it's really hot. And so sweaty, it was gross. And as I was walking, I was just, I started to, really, really struggle with this, it started to be really, really difficult in my mind because I thought like, wow, I've never really honestly had a conversation with someone experiencing homelessness. And honestly, I just kinda walk by and just kinda go on my way. And then as we're walking, as we're passing different people experiencing homelessness, I was really starting to get in my head. I'm like, oh my gosh, what if when we go to lunch, like I say something stupid? Or what if like the situation, you know, doesn't go the way I, I thought it should? Or what if like I say something to really offend someone? And so like my mind just started spinning out of control. I wanted out, people. I was done. I remember walking and seeing like a bus stop and honestly thinking, what if I just like swoop into the bus and was like, peace out, middle schoolers. Like I thought that, but I couldn't do that because literally it's LA. They're middle schoolers. That's dangerous. I'm the adult. It's my job. We're doing this. (laughs) So I'm walking, we're walking. And then all of a sudden the middle schoolers, they saw this young, young guy on a sidewalk who's experiencing homelessness. And they're like, that's him. We're going to go to him. We're going to ask him. So they ran up to him. They got down and they made eye contact with, and they said, hey, hey, want to go to lunch with us? Our treat. And he was like, sure. (laughs) So he got up. We all went to the nearest fast food restaurant. We got food. We sat down and we're just talking. And uh, we learned a lot about him. We learned that uh, he was 19, that he grew up in an abusive household. We learned that when he was 18, he was actually kicked out of his house and not knowing where to go or what to do. He ended up on the streets of LA without a roof over his head or our food to eat." And we're like, man, that's, you've lived a tough life. We kept eating. He kept sharing. We shared a bit about ourselves. and We all knew that we, that we met a friend that day. We met a new friend. And we all knew that as we continued to just walk, that we would stop more and notice people instead of passing, passing by. But then something happened. Something happened. He, he stopped eating. Stopped talking. In the middle of the meal, tears began to fill his eyes. He began to cry. And we were super confused. <laughs> I was like, okay, Michael, did you say something stupid? Probably, but maybe not. It was really hot outside, so I did one of the quick like, you know. It was, I was good. I did that to the middle schoolers. Definitely they smelled, but I didn't think like that would really cause them to cry. So we were all super confused. We all leaned forward and we're like, hey, buddy, are you okay? And then he said, ah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, this might not make sense to you but I've been sitting on that sidewalk for the last month, every day. And every day, thousands of people pass by me. Some will put money in my cup, most won't. But today was different, because today you all stopped. You noticed me, you saw me. And we were like, what? That made you cry? Like, what? And he kept going. He's like, okay, I know it might not make sense. But in the last month, and hear me when I say this, no one outside of people in my homeless community have noticed me. No one has seen me. And I don't know. When you guys stopped and looked at me, it reminded me that I was human. that I have dignity. And it's been a really long time since i felt that way. Wow. We won't be able to truly love others until we truly see who others are. People created in the image of God. Now I wanna ask you, what would it look like to ask God to see others like that? Your coworkers, your family, your neighbors, your roommates. And now hear me when I say this. We were not heroes, us guys, we as long as 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 long as or with that other guy, we were just trying to do what, what God calls and commands us to do. To not only see ourselves, but to see others, to, to listen to one another, to, to honor the dignity in one another, to love one another just like God does. And when that happens, wow. Because the reality is, we are all created in the image of God. And what that means is that we are God's representatives here on earth. And how we see each other, how we view each other, is a direct reflection of how we see and how we view the one who we represent. That's why it's impossible. We cannot love God without loving others but more often than not, we can live for one element over the other. I mean, we can be all about loving God and really struggle when it comes to loving others. And just like the two different elements of salt, that's, that's dangerous because that can lead To legalism. And on the other hand, we can be all about loving others, but really, really struggle when it comes to loving God. We might have put God on hold. We might have hung up the phone. We might not even answer it because we're like, I don't know what that'll mean for my life. And that's dangerous too, because that is us loving other people out of our own strength. And that can lead to burnout. No, we need both of these elements. We need to live out both of them in union because when we don't, honestly, it can hurt our walk with God. James puts it this way, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? And shudder, we need to be people who are rooted in loving God supremely and loving others sacrificially. And loving others sacrificially means to seek out and to restore the dignity in other people. We need to be people who are committed to justice and now, I, I just want to take a moment and, and talk about the word justice, because the word justice, honestly, it means different things to different people. And, and the word justice has been politicized to the point where there are some that think like, I don't, I don't know if justice fits with the Bible. But the type of justice that, that I'm, I'm talking about is the mish Pot justice, the justice that seeks to restore relationships like they were intended to before sin entered the world. Mishpat justice, when we live that out, <clears throat> that's us saying like, okay, what does it look like to seek out racial reconciliation? What does it look like to, to try to be generous to those in need? To want every child to have food in their stomach, every head to have a roof over it, for All of us to strive to end human trafficking, for all of us to strive to end domestic abuse, for every foster kid to have not only a house but a home, for us to fight for the most vulnerable from the womb to the tomb. This mishpat justice is for us to move towards each other even when we disagree with each other. And there's a lot of disagreement going on in our world right now. Basically, it's to live how Micah uh, Micah puts it, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Our denomination put, book puts it this way. Followers of Jesus must display love toward one another or the world has the right to ask if they really are his disciples. How are you doing with that? When you look at your life, how often are you focusing on, on others? Your coworkers, your family, your neighbors, your roommates. When you go to work, are you asking yourself, oh man, what would it look like today to love my coworkers, to love my boss, to, to love my employees? When you're at home, the people you live with, or your roommates, your family, What would it look like if you're like, today, God, help me love my family well. Help me love my roommate. God, help me see the dignity that you have created other people with. Help me restore relationships in home. Some of you right now have relationships that you probably need to move towards and restore at home. What does it look like to, to love our local neighbors in our city? To learn how to give, to learn how to serve in ways that bring dignity and restoration. What about our global neighbors? Man, there's a lot going on in our world right now. There's a lot, and at all of our uh, venues and sites near the beginning of our service, we actually took time and prayed for our global neighbors? What would it look like to continue to commit to praying for our global neighbors? Because prayer is powerful, because God is powerful. And not only that, what would it look like in a way that that makes sense to you and the context that makes sense to you for you to step out and and try try to restore dignity in our global neighbors where dignity is being tarnished or will be tarnished? because the reality is we all have the opportunity to take one step even if it's small. But when we all take one step, we're running. We're running. All right, now I know that I've talked about a lot of things and it could kind of be overwhelming because there's a lot that I'm saying that we can do. I know I'm a little little bit overwhelmed, honestly, but, but with that, that still might bring the question, okay, Michael, where do we start? Where do we start? Like, how do we do all of these things? And that's a good question. And I want to start by talking about our foundation. Because the reality is we can't really sacrificially love others. I mean, really sacrificially love others unless we've embraced the sacrificial love that God has for us. We can't do anything. We can't do any of it without Jesus. Jesus He died and rose again to restore our relationship, restore our relationship with him. He didn't just wash our feet. He washed our whole selves. We're forgiven. We're clean. We're restored. And it's out of that relationship Jesus sacrificially gives to us and that we are to love him back. He sacrificially gives to us. We are to love him back. That's what a relationship is. But we can't be like a pond that's stagnant without a stream going out of us. We need to then take that sacrificial love and love other people. You see, it's this beautiful cycle. God loves us. We love him back. We give that sacrificial love to others. It's this cycle that we were intended to live by. And when we live by these two elements, we become the salt of the earth. We bring life to the world. And that is what Christian living is all about. Now, as I close, I just want to invite everyone to really just, I mean, and myself included, to just look at your life. When it comes to loving God, how are you doing? Have you answered that call? When it comes to to loving others, do you move towards others, do you seek restoration, or do you kinda move away? I know for me, I kinda do a mixture of both sometimes. What would it look like today, this week, to just notice the imbalance of the two elements and to seek to walk in stride with both of them, to love God supremely, and to love others sacrificially, to be the salt of the earth. Let's pray. So God, man, it's, it sounds so simple love you supremely, love others sacrificially, love God, love others. Like we, a lot of us have grown up hearing that. Maybe it's kind of new to some people right now. But it's really difficult. It's really complex because it's a command for us to give all of us to you, Jesus. I kind of think like when I was a kid and I was on, this, on a high diving board for the first time and I knew I had to jump, but I was like, wow, what will happen if I actually do? God, I pray that we can be a people who actually do. That we can learn what it could look like, even if it's one small step, to love you more. And in the same way, even if it's one small step, to love others more, because that is why and how you created us to live. So help us live like that, Jesus. Help us bring life to the world like salt does. In your name we pray. Amen.